Providence, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley. Show talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. I'm alone here today, and I will be for the duration of the afternoon here, up until 6 p.m., as no joke today, no co-hosts, just me, but you guys can live with that. We got a lot, a lot of stuff on the dock today. I got something very near and dear to my heart I want to open the show up with, but after that, we got the Red Sox sweeping the Yankees over the weekend. The Patriots' first preseason game is tomorrow. The NFL season is really, really inch closer and closer, and even some Celtic stuff I kind of want to get into a little bit. Brad Stevens saying a couple things that are in the general interest of Celtics fans. Also, some, as of today, breaking news regarding the season for the Celtics, the upcoming season for the Celtics. And if the, these are any things that you guys out there want to weigh in on or there's anything else you want me to talk about, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. Or if you're more of a viewer than a listener, don't be afraid to go watch the official Mike Kane Memorial live stream of the show on the Stadium Experience Facebook page. I apologize for the camera quality today. I'm using a different computer, but promise that within the next week we'll get that rectified so it won't be so pixely and blurry, but nevertheless, if you, that is what interests you, don't be afraid to hop on there and drop a comment about anything you want to hear, anything you think, anything you want to say. Tell me to go off myself. I don't know. But anywho, though, with all that out of the way, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And with all that, we're going to dive right in. Those intros are getting longer and longer, I swear to Christ. And I don't know why. I just, I keep making them. I feel like I'm almost getting to the end of the music at this point. But, anyway. That's not important. What is important, or, well, not the most important, but... I'm back. I, unfortunately, was unexpectedly unable to do the show last week. My mother had to, I had to bring my mother to hospital. She's fine now. It's not nothing dry. But she was sick, and she had to go, and she was dehydrated. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to go. Couldn't do the show last week. Heartbroken about it because there was a lot last week I wanted to talk about. But yeah, family comes first, I suppose, and all that. Blah, blah, blah. Anywho. Nevertheless, I'm here now. Here with all you people. Happy to be here with all you people. And what I want to open with is something that's it's probably played. It's kind of played out. Well, it's not played out because it's an important story. But it's it's been talked about probably to the extent that it needs to be talked about by talk radio people like me. Not the amount it needs to be talked about in general, but nevertheless, probably, you know. I don't have I don't have any fresh opinion on this. Probably. I don't feel like I do. But it's still something I want to touch on. It's something that I wanted to touch on last week, something that I considered and then honestly the information about it changed during the course of the week, so it was more added, but it hasn't been new information in a while. So like I said, kind of the curse of only going once a week in the middle of the week. Sometimes things are too old by the time you get to them and but nevertheless, something I considered making a three three-minute takes on, something I just, something I want to talk about. Something that I very much want to talk about. Something I've been trying to stir up trouble on Twitter about. Just something I want to vent about, and that is the ongoing situation at the Ohio State University, where if you don't know, as I always say, if you live under a rock, like, people who get the news, who are getting news like this by this point probably do, but the ongoing situation at the Ohio State University where what happened, effectively, was wide receiver coach Zach Smith. It came out that there was a long history 
of domestic violence allegations against him pertaining to his now ex-wife, ex-wife about two years, who he has a uh, few children with, don't know how many off the top of my head, but a few children with, allegations. And at Big Ten Media Day, I want to say at the end of last month, the very end of July, Urban Myers was basically asked about these. About, you know, these allegations. There have been a ton of them. You know, specifically incidents 2015. You know, Urban, do you... Urban, do you know about these? Blah, blah, blah. And he just basically, he said, no. He said, I don't know, yada, yada, yada. And then, Brett McMurphy, formerly of ESPN, comes out with this phenomenal report. This app, this phenomenal report. Once again, Brett McMurphy, one of the college football analysts, one of these guys who was let go during the mass layoffs that went on at ESPN last year, if anybody remembers those. About... Yeah, over a year ago now, you know, the mass exodus of talent at ESPN. Well, not exodus, mass firing of talent at ESPN. He was one of the guys who went out, who was fired. So he came out, though, with, on Facebook, he posted this. Because of, you know, which I've read up on, you know, the minutia of his contract. If he takes a new job, he gets less money. That's not important. Point is, this guy who is a very legitimate reporter, has sources, has been a very legitimate reporter for a long time, posted to his Facebook this long phenomenal report not the content is not phenomenal I mean the story I'm not you know the con but the journalistic merits of this thing phenomenal detailing all the times this guy this Zach Smith this guy had beaten his wife the amount of time she had called the police the amount of time she had tried to file reports the amount of time she had then you know as abused spouses are known to do back out of the report at the last minute, feel pressured not to basically call the police on her husband. You know, he had photos of her, you know, marks all around her neck, all up and down her arms everywhere had report and that went on to report that well, a, this has been going on since at least 2009, probably longer, but since at least 2009, when urban Myers coached at Florida and Zach Smith was on Urban Meyer's staff there. And then when Urban Myers came to Ohio State, he rehired this guy and he's been his wide he's been his wide receiver coach for over a decade now, from what I can gather. For at least a decade. He's been Urban Myers' wide receiver guy in both places he's been. And just all these accounts of the police being called, incidents, reports being filed, not going through. Etc. 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 Mountains, mountains of smoke on this guy, a ton, just from the police perspective. And then to bring it in with Urban Myers and why it's relevant to Urban Myers and why reports saying that texts from Urban Myers' wife texting this, texting this girl, you know, when the trouble was bad. Oh man, I, we feel, you know, we all, we're all pulling for you. His wife, Shelby. Text from Urban Meyer's wife saying that, you know, she's afraid for him. Offering to help, blah, you know, her asking, you know, what does Urban think? And just all this information and beyond, you know, obviously the horror to learn about long, long bouts of abuse going on. A long case of abuse. 
you then get the realization from reading this that, yeah, Urban Myers knew something was going on. Him saying, oh, I, I know nothing about what you're talking about. That, that's crap. That's obviously crap. And then, I don't want to say in defense of him, but respondingly, Urban Myers came out the next day to just, I mean, not tonight, but a few days later, he came out, I believe on the 4th, and basically released this, you know, this nice platitude-loaded statement on Twitter saying, Oh, oh, right. I did know about those incidents. It's just, you know, you're being asked questions and you forget things and you just, you openly lie to the media. Sorry it happens. You know, you know, you know, big time head coaches like me, like Bill Belichick, you know, we forget a lot of things. There's a lot of things. We just don't know what's going on a lot of the time. And, but, no, but he does say he knew about a 2015 incident. And then you read this report further by Brett Morvin. He knew that something was going on the whole time. He did. I, I think it's pretty, pretty far from undeniable. Well, excuse me. It's pretty close to undeniable that Urban Myers knew something. Because the only defense for him not knowing something is, A, he's an idiot. B, he just doesn't talk to his wife ever at all even though oh in his platitude latest statement he claims oh shelby's my best friend she's my best friend we share everything with each other well guess what urban if we know that your wife knew about this and that all the coaching wives knew about this and i'm not going to assume you didn't know sorry you don't get that benefit of the doubt with me sorry you don't you don't sorry innocent until proven guilty i know but sorry you don't get the benefit of the doubt with me and then this report also details that Urban sent during while this was all ongoing. At one point, Urban Myers is Urban Myers is sent effectively during you know, the early stages of this in 09, 010, during the Florida days. Urban Myers sent his basically his life coach whose name I cannot remember, but his life coach, a longtime confidant of him after the first charges were beginning to be pressed. Or, excuse me, I, I don't want to say Urban Meyer's sent, excuse me. Urban Meyer's is life coach, completely of his own relation, went to Courtney Smith, the wife of Zach Smith, the alleged abuser, went to this woman and... According to Brett McMurphy, who might be all fake news because media is the enemy of the state, went to Zach Smith, excuse me, Zach, Courtney Smith, and basically told her, you shouldn't press charges, yada, 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 you'll ruin his life, it won't happen again. Which, and once again, this is on the word of Brett McMurphy, on the reports of Brett McMurphy, who once again, could be fake news, media is the enemy of the state, Blah, blah, blah. I know. I know. But he said it. And once again, Urban Myers, like a Bill Belichick, like an O'Saban, he's one of these great football coaches. And these great guys, you know, they're known to run their programs. And we always talk about how Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, they really don't know a lot of what's going on 
while while underneath their watch. They you know they they're micromanagers, but they don't they don't really know everything that's going. Like okay, your your life coach, one of your confidants, one of your number one of your top guys. Okay, maybe he goes behind your back and tells a domestic abuse victim to not tell her story and keep it quiet. But Ur Urban Myers couldn't possibly know about that. That was obviously. That's not something you'd run by your boss. No, 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 no. No, you're, do you're doing that yourself, and because that's just, you know, he doesn't like to know everything that's going on. So, you have this guy go. And this is in 2009, 2010. This is early. This is Florida Urban Myers. So, already, you have, you know, as an ex you know, if we're to believe that these people who work for him are an extension of his will, which they are, Urban Myers knows. He knows that this is going. He accepts that something's going. Obviously, he knows something's happening and that there's something legitimate here if his guys are going to tell her, oh, it's not going to happen again. So that's already pretty damning. But let's continue. And I I'm trying not to tell. I want to get to my opinions on the matter. I don't want to just tell the story because the story's been told. But like I said, I've been, I've been chewing this over for about two weeks now and I want to get to this. And... So there, you have Urban Myers, who otherwise, really, at Florida, spotless team, spotless record, not a lot of problems there. They had like 30 players get arrested within five years. Had Aaron Hernandez on this team, it's fine. Nothing really went down to that Florida team. Janoris Jenkins on that team. Cam Newton getting, you know, suspended from the NCAA for selling autographs. That was a good, that was a good, good, nice, wholesome ship he had there. Good, wholesome ship Urban Myers otherwise had in, in Florida. So... Yeah, this, this woman is, you know, as, you know, happens, women who are, you know, victims of domestic abuse, they're, you know, they're, they're talked out of it because, you know, they have kids. She has kids. He also has kids together. And yada, 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 yada. You know, domestic abuse victims, they're, no, you know, they're known to not report what happens because, you know, getting beat by the one person. Getting beaten and abused by the one person you've swore your life and love to, it can kind of bring up some conflicting feelings in a person. Sometimes. No, but no, it's all black and white, so she didn't report it, so obviously she's faking it. Excuse me, women are the devil and 95%, you know, domestic abuse claims are fake. Obviously, people on Twitter say. Even though no statistics back that up. But, you know, it, this is wild woman, am I right? Am I right, everybody? So, it goes on. And basically, continuously... And this guy has never been convicted of anything, which, of course, you know, according to a lot of people on the Internet, that's enough to say he didn't do it. Because once again, almost everybody who beats their wife gets convicted of it eventually. Almost everybody. That's the, that's the way it works in this world. And just count after count of this. And once again, Urban's wife texting her. Urban's wife saying, once again, there are texts in here. And I'm not going to read them verbatim because I don't want to pull them up. But there are texts in here basically of her saying, oh, yeah, me and all the other coaches' wives, because I guess they all hang out. We all know what's going on. We feel really bad for you. You shouldn't report him or anything like that. Because, you know, then my and the texts don't say this. But, you know, the fact that she never reported this guy knowing it, then goes, it, it's pretty even to say, but he's really, really good at teaching my husband's kids how to run routes. So... Me, registered nurse, Shelby Urban, I, I'm not going to report. I, I'm not going to report him because once again, I mean, how can I do that? Come on. You, you see Braxton Miller. You see how fast he picked up the wide receiver position. Come on, we had Michael Thomas. Like, come on, we're not going to give that up. C come on, Courtney. Come on. But do you want me to buy groceries? She, she does offer groceries, though. That, that's legit. That, that's a quote. She offers groceries, you know. So. <sighs> and 
just before anybody jumps down my throat about this, I, I don't, I'm not trying to take the attention away from this guy and how horrendous this Zach Smith guy, how horrendous what he did do. What he, I, I don't think I can deny that he did it. There will be a conviction, or there won't, because our court system is dra- dramatically unfair to women. But nevertheless, he, he did, and that that I feel that's as close to open and shut as we can be without there, you know, being a conviction. Just you know, a decade of as much as I hate to say where there's smoke, there's fire. There, there's smoke, there's fire. Like th- this, this amount of it, this amount of people around the guy acknowledging that it's happening, and more just trying to justify it than deny it. So, but I do, but there. There's a whole angle on why this is important to tie into Urban Myers and Ohio State and all that. Because, and well, I'm not going to say because right now, but that's coming, is my point. So, you have all this. All this information. You know it. And, by the way, this Zach Smith guy was on the staff until about the last week of July where he was fired. Oddly enough, right before this whole story came to head. So also, if you want to talk about more admissions of guilt. So, you know, once again, people, you know, people, you know, Ohio State fans on Twitter and, you know, you know, people who just generally think that reporters are evil and just make stuff up. Are they just going to stand by Urban? They got to stand by Urban against this fake news. They are, however they talk in Ohio, however the inbreds in Ohio talk. They got to stand by their guy. Except, you know what Ohio State did do? They didn't stand by this guy, this Zach Smith guy, which good, good for them for not doing it. But problem is, seemingly they stood by him until it was going to be a story and come out that he was beating his wife. Repeatedly. When she was pregnant. So, obviously, unless they're just really trying, unless they think this is what would appease, you know, you know, as described as the mob, the mob being people who don't like, you know, people who beat their wives going unpunished for it. You know, the mob, the internet, you know, the, the, the feelings police, I guess. I don't know, whatever, whatever they want to be called. You know, once again, it, no, 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 it's fought. We'll, we'll get rid of him to appease the mob. It's either they're doing that, which is, which is a bizarre thing to do because it doesn't appease the mob if you're just doing it to make people not care about the story anymore. Because it doesn't make people not care about this. Because obviously because they did it and I care about their story. And a ton of people do. So obviously they knew something's going on there. Or or you could argue, oh, well, they just found out stuff was going on because of Brett McMurphy. Or because of all this other stuff that was coming out. Except Urban Myers said that he knew stuff was going on. So obviously they knew. He knew. Everybody knew. But they were fine with it. Until the rest of the world knew. And then they're like, oh, we gotta get rid of this guy. And then he's going on ESPN, still claiming to be innocent. At one point, claims he was in self-defense, like the pictures of the bruising, you know, with where her neck is all types of purple. Because, you know, when I'm defending myself from a woman, you know, you choke her. That's the the first thing you go for, you know, big, you know, kind of burly football coach guy. The the only way to stop, stop your, you know, your petite wife, straight for the neck. Only option you got. Otherwise... Oh, watch out. Watch out, dangerous psychopath. You are you are in for trouble. And this guy goes, and he's on and he was interviewed the other day. I'm not playing the audio. I refuse. I'm not I'm not giving it a platform, but anyway, he tries to talk about how at one point he said he talks about how he feels bad for his kids. 
He talks about how he's like, I want everybody to remember in this situation that my kids, you know, they have to go to school and their friends are going to see this. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. Oh, God. I'm so sorry that it's our fault that you have to do this. Except it's not. It's your fault that your kids have to see that, by the way. Just, I'm kind of like randomly responding to things. I, I don't want to do just like the talk radio guy screaming thing. Because I've had time to process this, and I've kind of had time to not calm down, but collect myself about this. And I, you know, it's like, I don't want to do the yelling and screaming thing, but I, I, I'm, I might. Because I promise this is all jet genuine emotion. So that's fun. Also, you know, you really cared about your kids when you were beating your wife when she was pregnant, by the way. But yeah, you hadn't met them yet, so you might not have been as attached. You know, may maybe that's why. And I'm, I'm sure you'd love them anyway if you caused, you know birth defects by, you know, beating your wife when she was pregnant. So, that goes on. So, you know, obviously this, it's this guy's beyond condemnable. Con condemnable. I don't know, whatever. This guy, this guy, this guy's an ass. Obviously, bad, 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 bad. But that, the bigger picture of this, yeah, you have to, it is important to discuss what this means for who Urban Myers is and what he does because that reflects on prob on a problem in really the world in general. But just to just to just keep it to sports, because we'll keep it we'll try to keep it to sports, because this is a sports show and we do sports things, and I've done 20 minutes on this so far, but I'm not done. You have this guy, and he knew. I, I don't think you can argue that he knew. Especially since he said, you know, he lied once, then comes out and says he knows about some of it a few days later. Sorry, I'm done believing you. You said you knew about some of it. I, I'm going to say you knew about most, if not all of it. Because I'm done, I'm done believing you, Urban Myers, and I have evidence that shows you probably did know more than you're even saying you knew now. And then he goes further in the same statement he releases, which I love. I love this. He just immediately throws Ohio State right under the bus. Immediately. And says, oh, well, no, but I reported it to the proper authorities. And this is the thing people are pointing to. Like, oh, look. He said, you know, I reported it to the Title IX people, whoever you report it to. Which. I don't know. I. I, I believe that he did that. I don't know why he'd lie about that. That would be a dumb thing to lie about. Because then Ohio State comes out immediately like, no, no, he didn't. We had no idea. Don't, don't look at us. So I, I, I believe that he reported it. And, you know, people, you know, once again, on Twitter. I've been getting a lot of Twitter fights about this. You know, when it was raw. I, mean, I really watched the raw, raw anger. is going on Twitter. You know, kind of, oh, well, he reported it to his bosses. What do you want him to do? He's just a football coach. It's not his job to. Ooh, I didn't even mean to pull it. It's not his job to convict this guy. He's just a football coach. What do you want him to do? Would you want your boss to fire everybody? Whoever the accent's getting stronger. Would you want your boss to convict a, a, anybody who who got who got accused or, or anything? And why why is it the boss's job to know what's happening at home with with your wife? Why why is it his job? I love Urban. <laughs> People are saying that and. There have been some people who have come out and be like, well, you know, it, it legally, it would have been tough, you know, just legitimately legally, they really wouldn't have been able to fire him. It would have been really tough for them to fire him because just once again, because it wasn't a conviction or whatever. So may maybe you can fangle that legally. I don't want to talk about that too much because I don't really care about the, 
the could. What he really, what they really could have done. But here's the thing: even if you can argue that, you know, whatever, ironclad, they couldn't do it. They couldn't. They they could not fire him. A. He might not have been able to fire him at Ohio State. But you know what Urban Myers didn't have to do? He didn't have to hire him at Ohio State. The second time he hired this guy. Because remember, like I said, Urban Myers was at Florida. And this guy was beating his wife. And then Urban Meyer and Aaron Hernandez was killing people and all this other stuff. But <laughs> before he came to Foxborough, he was killing people. But he was at... We can joke about murder today because domestic violence is the thing we're serious about today. He was at, and then he let, once again, knew this guy was beating his wife, sent down his life coach's mentor to go, hey, don't tell people he's beating you, please. So he knew. Then Urban Meyer, maybe he couldn't have fired him then. Maybe, he probably could, but maybe, maybe he couldn't have. Then Urban Myers went to Ohio State, just Urban Myers. Contracts of his coaching staff, not transferable. That's not how this works. He went to Ohio State and then went, hmm, who should coach my wide receivers? Oh, I know. Nobody knows he was beating his wife. Let's bring Zach on. And then hired him a second time. So that alone, you can say, no, Urban chose to have this guy knowing he was beating his wife. For one thing, which it, it is heinous. And then... And people, once again, are saying, oh, it's his job. It was mad at the boss. You just care what you do it at home. But you know what the problem with that is? You know, it, I mean, not the problem, because there's one, there's one problem with that argument, with the argument that you shouldn't hire wife beaters. There's only one, one problem with it. No, there's a ton of problems with it. But what? A few of them. For starters, and not to get all sappy, but Urban Myers hired this guy. Once again, who knew he was beating his wife to help him coach kids. It's weird for me to say kids because these people are my age, but I'm basically a child. He hired this guy to help him coach 18 to 22-year-old athletes. 18 to 22-year-old people whose, this line is on my, I heard it somewhere, but whose parents basically trusted you to, you know, mentor their kid. Maybe be a second, maybe be a first father to their kid. Now, a lot of these kids don't come from great backgrounds. And typically people from great, good backgrounds don't have fathers. Just statistics. You're trusting this guy to do so much. And he knows he has this role. He knows maybe he's not taking it seriously, but you have this. And he just decides. And once again, you know, Urban Meyer is like most of these college football hypocrites. You know, they preach. Oh, we're going to have a culture. You know, don't die, go to school. Got to want to be behaved. Go don't beat woman. They have a they have a banner somewhere in their locker room that says respect woman. They literally have I'm not I'm that's not hyperbolic. They have like a one of their walls says respect woman on it. Says respect woman on it. And Urban Myers goes, ah, well, those are just platitudes. I just say those. Which is which I believe, which I I'm, I've never been under any illusion that college sports or really any sports teams are ethical. I don't think they are, and that's fine. Well, this isn't fine, but it's fine to not be totally ethical because you're not. Just don't act like you are. But anyway, so, and I walk into that in a minute because this, this goes higher and higher. We're going from the guy who was doing it to Urban. We're going to go up another level. We're going, oh, scorched earth on everybody right now. Urban Myers hired this guy knowing what he was doing, knowing what he kept doing 
two coach kids. Coach Young Minds, whose parents, parent, have trusted you with their well-being, with their education, with preparing them for the rest of their adult lives. So for one thing, this isn't your boss finding out his accountant is beating his wife. Which still, probably should get rid of that guy, but it's not the same. As with most sports stories, when they say, oh, at my job, this wouldn't happen. It's very rarely the same because these people are in a completely different realm of society than us, for one thing. And this, this guy is a coach. He's a teacher. And once again, you're fine preaching these values and then putting this guy who's beating his wives in front of these kids. These young minds who you've entrusted the mold. Well, maybe you don't take that seriously, but that in and of itself. Awful that he was doing that. You know, if you find out and you know he's doing it, just don't let him to, to the kids. Just put him in a closet somewhere. I don't know, keep paying him. Just lock him in a room and be like, ah, watch this film on these kids. I, I don't know. Don't put him in front of kids. If you know what he's doing and you really, and it's actually just the legal minutia to firing him is too much. You know, maybe Ohio State just can't afford to eat the money on the contract. And maybe, maybe that's it. So, that. And then... That does not, by the way, because once again, we're believing that he reported it to Ohio State, to the higher authorities at the school. This does not, by the way, make them completely innocent in this. That doesn't. Just as Urban Myers reporting it to them does not absolve Urban Myers of any problems because he still could have done something if he knew what this guy was doing and he had an ethical bone in his body. He's still going to have done something about this because Urban Myers' response to not getting to saying to the school, hey, this guy's beating his wife, and them saying nothing shouldn't be, oh, yippee, I get to keep him. He's great at teaching kids how to run a post. Yay. No, like, but also, yeah, I, he told the school, and they, and this I have less evidence to, but the only evidence I have is what happened. The school did nothing about it or seemingly did nothing about it. Because once again, you know, Brett, Brett McMurphy poking around and calling people, he can get all the all the evidence in the world. But Ohio State, man, eh, nothing. Eh, no reason to believe it. So, Ohio State harboring this, letting this happen, probably also because Ohio State, if they did a little dig, and they probably found out this has been going on for a long time, and that Urban's known about this for a long time, and it probably wouldn't look good at him in 2015. For, for them to suddenly outs this guy as a monster he is because then, you know, oh wait, Urban's been sheltering him for a long time. It's too far gone. Hole's already been dug. So we'd have to get rid of Urban. Can't get rid of Urban. He wins. He wins. So that goes to the school. And I, I, I don't know if it has to be said, but we live in a culture where if you're good at sports or you're good at coaching sports, but it's good if something has to do with sports that makes some people a lot of money, they'll look past you being a really, really, really bad person. And we know it, but it just continuously needs to be said because look at some of these guys on, by the way, look at some of these guys on Urban Meyer's staff. For one thing, Greg Schiano. You know, Greg Schiano, who was at Penn State and people have testified that, you know, he knew what was going down there. But didn't say anything. Yeah, great, great guy, Greg Schiano. You know, Kelvin Smith, who when he was at, you know, Indiana has had multiple players say that he verbally and physically abused them and like made them play through concussions and all that. Great guys. You know, Urban Myers always, you know, once again, the, the wholesome Myers, Myers family, the Myers bunch, the wholesome, wholesome group there that he's always just, just carrying around with him through everything. 
I know Greg Schiano, also who Bill Belichick nearly hired, by the way. Greg Schiano, who you know was who was considering was being considered for the defensive coordinator role of the Patriots, by the way. Not not to not to act like everything's saintly around here either, but yeah, like this, and then to go further because this this is damning, and I I I need something to happen to Ohio State for me to you know feel good about the world, which I don't, and I won't because nothing's gonna happen. Of course nothing's going to happen. Because Urban Myers, he's on administrative leave right now while Ohio State runs their own investigation. You know, they brought in, you know, you know, they brought in outside guys to investigate, but it's Ohio State's own investigation. And in the end, you think the NCAA wants to see Urban Myers gone if they can help it? Of course not. Because Urban Myers makes Ohio State a lot of money. And by extension, when Ohio State's good, that's good for the NCAA. They're a big team. They're a big draw. So if they make the playoffs, that's good. If Urban Myers gone, maybe they don't make the playoffs. Ah, the NCAA loses money too. So I'm sure. So basically, every party involved will do everything in their power to not make this Urban Myers fault. And maybe the athletic director of Ohio State is going to be out. And he should be fired, by the way. He should be too. If Urban Myers told him and he just, they brushed this all under the rug. Yeah. But once again, also, that doesn't absolve Urban Myers. Really, I want everybody. I want everybody gone and fired because we do live in a society that will do everything in its power to not acknowledge this kind of thing. That will not. That will do everything in its power to not let these kind of things happen. Excuse me. That will do everything in its power to hide these hide domestic abuse, hide violence towards women, towards children, towards students, if it can protect a profitable person. And you know they'll throw little people under the bus. You know they'll get rid of the guy who was beating his wife immediately, which they should do, but. Then they'll do everything in their power to try to protect the guy who made the money, who was harboring that guy, who was letting him be a coach, who was letting him be in front of kids. And the NCAA will continue to act like it's some... And a part of me loves this because it's another effing indictment on the NCAA. You know, the NCAA will sit there. They'll grandstand. They'll act like they're this holier-than-thou. They're here to, for the benefit of students when really... This doesn't, because I almost don't want the NCAA to be the ones to punish these people. Because then the NCAA gets to act like they're the heroes when they're not. They create this culture. They've created this culture where all these dirtbags can coach these teams and abuse these students, exploit these students for free labor, which is a whole nother thing. But it's a part of why I don't like the NCAA. It's part of why they make me mad. Where they can harbor these kind of guys. We're really, once again, profiting and making the school's money, making the NCAA's money. That's everything. So. In the end, I hope that the NCAA comes down on Ohio State. I hope they come down on Urban Myers as ever much as they can. And it's frustrating because they'll never truly be able to make these people suffer. Because he'll still have all his money. Even if he gets fired, he'll have all the money in the world. And he really would never have learned a lesson. He'll have, and he'll have legions of people who defend him forever and ever and ever. And say, yeah, oh, the liberals just want to lynch, lynch people in and innocent to prove guilty. But no, we live in a response society. Fake news. No, those people will never truly be punished, but once again, it doesn't involve the NCAA. They've created this environment where this kind of thing can happen. And not just them, really our society in general, but the NCAA, once again, we're trying to keep it to sports. They've created this kind of environment where this kind of thing can happen. And once again, I hope they seem fired. I hope that this is like at least acts as something of a warning shot to every other dirtbag coach out there. Because I'm sure Zach Smith is not the one assistant coach in college football who has something squicky in his past that his boss is trying to look by because he's really, really good at teaching kids how to run routes. I d doubt it. 
Like you look at some of these scumbags that now work for Urban Meyer that used to coach other teams. Guess what? There are other ones out there. I'd like to see all those guys put on notice, but I don't know. I hope it happens. I'm not optimistic, but you know, you, you know my take on it now 35 minutes later. So yeah, so F, F Urban Myers, F Ohio, Ohio State, F Zach Smith, F anybody who hits their wife, and F the NCAA, really F our entire society in general for creating this, and hopefully we can rebuild. And those are my entire thoughts on this. Jordan has been sitting here, Jordan Moment has been sitting here the entire time listening to me, but I just, I really, really needed to get that entire spiel off my chest. So, I mean, do you have any thoughts on this, Jordan, before we go to break? We might have to take a break because I, I got a few things to also say about this situation going on at The Ohio State University. All right, sure. Okay, <laughs> we'll go to break. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Helmsley on 90.7 WXIN. I promise eventually I have stuff on sports. On, on sports around here, just the sports, not sad stuff. I, I actually was actually pretty, po- pretty positive day in terms of sports news. So we got that. But first, you know, we'll get to Jordan's takes on this. And after that, we'll dive into some conversations about the Patriots, what's going on there, preseason coming up. Once again, we'll get to all this when we come back. If you want to chime in on any of this, do not be afraid to call in 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. You're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley, and we'll be back in just a bit. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At ArborDay.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to ArborDay.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's ArborDay.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they could rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. So, 
So, Kristen, how was Esther's baby shower? Oh, great. Yeah. Everyone was there. Um, Allison, Katie, Nancy, Karen, oh. who has gained a little weight, by the way. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, it's too bad you couldn't make it. How's little Sammy? Oh, he's fine. It was oh. just a little fever, but he's feeling better now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, you know it's a girl, right? Oh, wow. What's her name? Um, oh, I can't remember. It's one of those names. Excuse me? Oh, you know, one of those names. Shakita, Juanita, Jaquita. Why do black people like those kinds of names anyway? You'd think they'd know better. They just make it harder on themselves, you know what I mean? No, Kristen. I don't know what you mean. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. Last Company Smoke Shop and Vapor Lounge is Providence's premier smoke shop and vape supply store. Located at 10 Cedar Swamp Road, Smithfield, Rhode Island. Swing by when they open on November 2nd. Last Company Smoke Shop, best smoking supplies in all of our eye. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the Gangsta Rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. Sure, being a disc jockey sounds like a fun, glamorous job, but it's tough thinking of creative things to say, give out the time and the temperature. Here is the present temperature for our town and vicinity. For our town, 119 degrees. For vicinity, 27. Oh, you think it's so easy? Well, you try it. WXIN is looking for a few good DJs. Stop by our meeting Wednesdays at 1 p.m. in Horace Mann, 186. It's all yours, fella, and don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. Be heard all over the world. Join WXIN. Any questions, you can give us a call during normal business hours at 456-8288 or check out our website at rickradio.org. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. I'm all right. Nobody but about me. Ninety point seven WXIN Stadium Experience, Jake Elmsley, Jordan Moment here with me. Very, very few of you know, and he was basically in for the entirety of the first segment. But I just, I had to, I had to get everything off my chest about the Urban Meyer situation. And I just, I planted in my car a lot, a lot of yelling to myself while driving, as I do to plan, as I just kind of do. And then sometimes it becomes segments, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I have a radio show. I should talk about this. I'll be driving around yelling about stuff, and I'm like, oh, I wish somebody would listen to me. I'm like, wait a minute, I have a radio show. I can talk about this then. Oh, perfect. So, I want to get through that. But he's here with me now. We're here, Stadium Experience. If you want to be here, don't be afraid to call in. 401-456-9946 or 401-456-8787. 
or go on Facebook, the official Stadium Experience Facebook page, and watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream. Right there. See my face. Blurry camera today, new computer, but nevertheless, that's what's going on there. And before we move on, because I promise this isn't all going to be, you know, me bringing all of society to task for my ivory chair as a member of the media, an enemy of the state. But Jordan first, he does have some take, some things he wants to chime in with about this whole situation. And obviously, it would be unfair for me to go, nope, I had my 40 minutes, you get nothing. So, well, what do you have, Jordan? Like, what do you have? All right, I'll what? keep it. Oh, say as much as you want. All right. <laughs> so, the problem with this whole situation, and I agree with you, the NCAA is probably top. Well, besides, like, okay, I, I, have, I have a hard time thinking which is worse. Well, the, I the mean, NFL, the NCAA isn't top in this specific yeah. situation. It's just the NCAA and the NFL. And like I said, our whole society is yeah. So it's even hard for me to blame them because the blame is on Urban Myers and Ohio State. But also just to talk about the NCAA is not completely blameless because, you know, they and other entities that value profit above all else and capitalism, really, which I'm saying I'm not a capitalist, but they create this environment where these kind of things can happen. Yeah. And these kind of things can be accepted. But anyway, continue. All right. So, yeah, I was saying I have a hard time thinking about which is worse, usually on some day, the NFL or the NCAA. Uh, we well, see at least, you see, well, here's my thing. At least, at least people get paid in the NFL. Right, and the thing is, the NCAA, I think, tries a lot harder to paint themselves as kind of a moral arborator. Yeah. Which shouldn't make them worse because it should just be what's going on under their watch. But at least to me, because nothing annoys me more. Than people acting like they're a moral authority when they're not a moral authority. I don't know why that's such a big pet peeve of mine, but it is. The NFL, they still try. They still try, but they, they try less hard to be a moral authority. Yeah. In the NCAA, but they're like, oh, we're for students. We're for the kids. You know, and they protect this this dumb, and I can do this, I can do this for a whole show. Oh, this stupid, stupid concept of amateurism as an ideal and just, rah, just caked in. Oh, we're the best. We're moral absolutism. Oh, the old days. These kids now just complain about being exploited. <laughs> all right. Anywho, so continue. All right. So, okay. So, first of all, Urban Myers probably should be fired. He won't, but. He won't, but if there was any integrity within the sports, the sport of college football, he should be gone. Well, he should see, be gone immediately. Well, see, here, here's <laughs> the thing that, that, that baffles me, because you see people who defend him and say that's nothing bad, like, ah, he should probably get a suspension. Like people who are defending Urban Myers and saying they did nothing wrong here. And that's what, what confuses me because I don't know how you can get to the point where you say, yeah, he deserves an, a suspension, which means he's guilty, and then go, but he should keep his job. Yeah. But anyway, continue. <laughs> Not to get too into like people on Twitter. <laughs> like dumb people yeah, on Twitter yeah. with like roses um, as yeah. a profile picture. Just 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 as a just as like a brief, I don't know, I don't know, example, pointer, life tip. When someone covers up someone else's domestic abuse knowingly for close to a decade if not a decade and across two jobs and thousands of miles you, you might want to consider they might be complicit in the action as well no, it's, just, it's just a hint they, it's just a suggestion you know i like that you're not wrong he's pretty complicit in it you know it's just a suggestion he's not he's not he's not choking the pregnant lady but he's letting the guy choke the pregnant lady yeah so and, maybe and then giving him raises and putting and continuously giving him more and more money. So she has to feel like if she comes forward with it, she's taking even more away from him. Yep. But but you can see how, you know, abuse becomes a cycle where if you don't break early, it just continues and continues and continues and entrenches itself. And then in this situation, 
at least it's it's coming to light because in but in many situations it usually wouldn't like if this guy was a stockbroker right. or a lawyer or a doctor. Now, if he was unsuccessful, yeah, if he was quote unquote unsuccessful, making you know three hundred thousand instead of three million. Well, this guy makes about three hundred thousand. Oh, the oh. Zach Smith guy. But I'm saying, like, if he was like a cashier or something, yeah, she might yeah. come forward with it. Not, not, not saying that she's like, oh, she's in it for the money, but. Yeah, when you have kids, yeah, like it is hard to go from your husband who's making you know really good money and go, okay, I'm gonna do this, get him in, because she probably has people telling, because she had people telling her this would happen. He's gonna lose everything. Then, by extension, your kids are gonna lose everything. Oh, that would be your fault. Yeah, those kind of things. Yeah, so that's how it becomes a cycle. That's how you have a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, when they have kids, choosing, they're deciding that she has to put up with it, which is. Terrible and d- terrible and other words I can't use on air, but <laughs> yeah, but like the point if if he was anyone other than an assistant coach for the the Ohio State University, probably one of the best top ten football programs in the United States ever. We wouldn't even we wouldn't be hearing about it, and that in itself is also a shame. But also the problem is Urban Myers, He's been complicit with this for ten years. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have a job. He should lose everything. Mm-hmm. So should Zach Smith. Mm-hmm. But that's Second the tr- of all. See, that's what's yeah. maddening. He's not going to lose, lose everything. Even not- if he gets fired, he doesn't lose everything. And that's what's frustrating. He's still going to have tens of millions of dollars in yeah. his hot wife, who is also complicit in this, and be fine. Yep. He'll actually, have- actually, how hot is his wife? Anyway, continue. He'll, he'll have the money. He'll have the national championships. He has the prestige, the coaches of the year, awards, whatever he has. And he'll still have that loyal contingency of fans who will defend him till the day he dies. Yep. Have all, all the Urban Meyer stands. You know, hashtag, hashtag stand with Urban. Yeah. Like all that crap. Yep. That drives me wild. Okay, second of all, if he did actually report this to the school, I don't know if you reported it to the Title IX coordinator or athletic director. That, so he did that. He that did. That's an even bigger problem. That that's that's just out of the sports program. Exactly. That's actually that's an institutional problem within the school. Exactly. That makes it worse across <laughs> the board. And that does not make Urban Myers innocent. I read that no. and went, Oh, wait a minute, you you probably thought you were protecting yourself there, but nope, you you threw everybody else under the bus. But you're 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 still there. You're, you know, that doesn't make that doesn't that doesn't help you, Urban. So I don't know who helped him write that statement. He needs to get a new lawyer or something. And also, if he did tell the athletic director and or the Title IX coordinator, and they both decided they were going to sit there and do nothing about it against these probable allegations, and it's it's sort of like it's, it's really something you had to take as truth. Because if, if Urban Meyer comes in, I imagine he's not going to tell him, oh, this has just been a thing he's been doing, I don't know, like once or twice. Uh, maybe. This, this, this been, it seems like he would have to tell him that this has been a continuous thing. And there is. There are, there are so <laughs> many police reports of this woman calling the police to the house tons of times. And, you know, it. Yeah. So if he. If and he, the athletic director's probably gone. Yeah. If he actually did tell the truth and the actual, like, sort of institutional investigators people who are supposed to prevent this stuff from happening just sat around and did nothing and then you then and then this becomes a whole different problem then it's like okay so the title nine coordinator is not protecting against domestic abuse what are they actually protecting against what are they doing over there ohio mm-hmm. state like i like i, I want to see like death penalty which i don't want to happen but like the vis- viscerally i would like to see like this isn't on the level of what happened at penn state honestly 
Oh, Ma- no, it's not ma- Penn State. Ma- mainly due to a matter of scale, by the way. That That's the main reason it's not like Penn State. But in terms of... Really, it is, though. It's just not as many people got hurt. Yeah, it's not as much as the spill out. And it was a kid and not... I mean, it was a, an adult and not a kid. But really, it is kind of the same thing when you really get down. And not to say that's a headline. You know, talk radio guys yeah. as Ohio State's as bad as Penn State. Oh, headline grab. We're talking about the. But the, if we're talking about yeah, the institution failure, ignoring somebody or multiple people getting abused in, to keep somebody who helps the football team win games and make money. Yeah, it's kind of the same. It's, it, it is the same thing. Yeah. It's just it wasn't a guy diddling kids and instead it was. And this, Somebody beating their wife, and this and this is sort of a problem when it comes to these Division One, these research ones, these big name schools that have a lot of sort of athletic and like sort of intellectual clout, et cetera, et cetera. Is that they sort of tie in their prestige as an institution, as sort of you know these land grant colleges mm-hmm. into being you know all about whatever massive sports program they could put out on. Like I have a good example for this. Like before I came to Rick, I was uh, applying to UConn, and I remember I went to go visit UConn. They were building a brand new athletic complex. It was almost a damn near a billion dollars. And I remember a couple years before that, the Connecticut State Legislature they gave UConn, I think also one point five two billion dollars to just help with with the school. So I can always tell, I already tell at least at the main campus and stores that they already spent a huge chunk of that money building this new athletic complex. But yeah, I got onto the school and I got my financial aid package and they wanted me to take out $28,000 in Parent PLUS loans. And I emailed like the financial aid officer. I'm like, you just built, you're building an uh, $800 million sports complex and the state legislature just gave you $2 billion. Where is all this money going? You have this division one school. You have the best women's basketball team, which is probably the best sports team to ever do anything. It's up Ever. there. It's up there. Yep. It's up <laughs> they, there. They haven't lost in a million years. So I'm like, where where is this money going? Why are you why are you making me take out twenty eight thousand dollars in parent plus loans? Not even my I had my own loans. How you gonna want me to take out an additional twenty eight grand in loans? So it's it's so sort of like that. The priorities. It's like when you go to college, it can't be all about the sports. Like you actually have a school, not everyone is going to UConn. Or Ohio State to dribble or throw a ball or run around a track or mm-hmm. play lacrosse or whatever you're going to do. You know, some people are just normal people like us, you know. Well, how, how does the funding look for, you know, UConn's radio program or Ohio State's radio program yes. and stuff like that? Yes, so, I, there would be a lynch mob right now if I was if I was on Ohio State student radio, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I'm sure I would not have a good night. Yeah. And then the problem with that is you have so much invested with it and then something like this happens. And then you risk losing it all because you can't do right the first time. Mm-hmm. Like it's got too big. And now it's either you have to be ahead of all this and you have to actually be, you know, ethical. You have to be just, well, not justified, but you have to be moral and you have to report this stuff. Cause if you let anything get by you, you end up in this situation where your whole entire football program could honestly be gutted. Like if the NCAA decided we're just gonna give them the death penalty, just as you know, something just as just to make Ohio State the example. Yeah, which I would love once again make an example to every other dirtbag coach out there it, who's I, covering can, for his buddies. Like let's, <laughs> I put all those guys on watch. Like can you like can you really say anything though? It's like what can you say? They didn't deserve that. So yeah, 
the head coach has been hiding this this assistant's domestic abuse for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> like and is it's sort of like well, it's gonna be Urban Myers has been hiding yeah. it at two separate schools. Ohio's two, two separate schools. Like let's two let's, separate let's, big let's, big time D one program. Let's talk and about that. I'm sure that. this is the only guy who is who's who's been doing anything. You know, I'm sure this is the only the only guy who's there's anything going on with. Two schools, two public universities, funded by state and federal money. Yeah, two two groups of <laughs> two groups of, you know, young men he was willing to put this guy in front of. Like that that's what that's where that's when it becomes different from some dude at your, you know, garage doing it or something, or a job where somebody doesn't see anybody. He brought him from Florida to Ohio. <laughs> like <You> know, this, <laughs> Like he rehired, like he that. Right. Knowing everything he did, he that's, rehired like, him. That's when you lose, like the you know the you know the the, the legal guys out there who are like, oh well, he couldn't technically fire him because he didn't have just cause. Like if like is that like if he got hired at another school and then this came out and the urban hires like yeah I did, he did that at Florida, and like I told whoever at Florida and then he, at least at least then he can walk away with it. At least then, well he can't walk away with it, but. There's something more he can stand on than saying that I alerted, I alerted the authorities. At least he can say, well, yeah, I knew he was doing it, but I didn't hire him again. I didn't hire him a second time. But he did it again. Yeah, he did it. Like he did, you know, then there were the quotes of him in 2015, you know, in Zach Smith when he was interviewed by ESPN, you know, and looked like a sociopath, if you really look at him. But, you know, he, though, he said, oh, in 2015, Urban told me, if I find out what you're doing is true, you're fired, which, eh, probably just platitudes there from Urban Meyer, seeing as how that was, uh... Six years after he knew he was, she was, he was hitting this girl. So, yikes! And 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 it's not even if you look at the time period between like when it was actually happened at Florida. That's when Florida was hot. Yeah, that that's when that's, they had Aaron Hernandez, Aaron Hernandez, Janoris Tim Tebow, Jenkins, Cam Newton, OG, all all of them. Like, just keep up. I'm gonna look at the whole list of players. <laughs> like Florida was that Florida was on a run that that four or five years it was. So this was essentially, you can argue, the height of Urban Meyer's career when he has, you know, the most success of college football coach can have. And then even during that period, when he's on top, he knew this guy was doing it and he just still yeah. covered it up. 31 players got arrested over six years at Ohio State. I mean, at Florida. Think about that. 31 players over six years. Well, at least there were 31 arrests. 31 arrested uh, players 31 over six players? years. I don't know which one it is, but uh, either, neither of those are... Uh, Great, but yeah, I mean, who who's the who's the list of guys? And not to say that's necessarily these kids' fault, because once again, I mean, you know, these guys they they don't a lot of these guys aren't coming from great backgrounds, and really, I don't put as much blame on the players, you know, no. unless you're like Aaron Hernandez and like you start killing people. And at a certain point, you should have a consciousness that takes over, regardless of your upbringing. But nevertheless, like, but that's the point. That's why this is heinous. You have these kids who are vulnerable. Who are impressionable and you're fine with putting... Who are also being exploited and put yeah. under extraordinarily yeah. stressful situations. And you're, you're fine putting this guy who's beating his wife in front of them and being like, ah, this is my guy, Zach. Listen to him. This is the guy you want to listen to. You know, yeah. he lives by, you know, literally my wall that says treat woman with respect over there. Which, once again, not hyperbole. There was a wall that said that. And it's just... And like it's just stress. Like if you reported to the authorities at Ohio State and they did nothing, that like everyone, like everyone sat around and doing nothing, then, and then they're gonna have to like clear out like a lot of the administration. 
Like, you can't have a Title IX department when the head football coach comes in and say, oh, yeah, like my wide receivers coach, yeah, he's kind of been beating his wife for really as long as I've been having a – as long as I've been, like, associated with him professionally. Sorry. Like, like if he walks to your office and say that and you do nothing, you you also got to go. It's everybody. No, like, <laughs> no, like the athletic director is definitely probably out because they're going to try to fire that guy and then go, see, it was all him. Urban, though, Urban, he did the right thing. He's our guy. And this is the problem. Like, I don't know the what it is. The attitude becomes, how can we protect our assets? Yeah. Because Urban Myers is an asset. Instead of, pr- instead of protecting the actual victims. Right. Protecting the victims. Stopping the environment that leads to what happens to these victims. It's not. That's yeah. not. That doesn't even begin to and, become the first thing on these people's priority list. And, like, and, and, we, and you talk about the culture surrounding sports. How, like, I don't know, like, how we, like developed this culture either it's not, it's not even just sports it's society it's, yeah it's, it's everything it's not just sports it's but like like sports in particular yeah because like i mean yeah it speaks to more institutional problem that you know successful men can do whatever they want and get away with it that's in the stuff so you know, the companies or the people profit off them will try to protect them yeah as much as they can but in sports is there's so much more stakes because any other profession it's sort of isolated but in sports you have by the virtue of this culture being developed around it, you have the an entire school, yeah. entire city, entire state. And it's sort of like you get to this point where it's like people are just taking bullets for a sports program, which reach beyond the point of irrationality. Yeah. Louisville being that case. Yeah. Like the Louisville thing is the most it's atrocious. It's the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like you let this go on for years where you could have stopped this at any point and could have just save the damage it's like there's no reason why the fbi should be investigating your school sports program <laughs> like like do you un- like am i making like am i making my, sense no you're right the fbi like it's it the shouldn't be a matter of bureau national of security. investigation it should be a matter of national security what your basketball team's doing rick patino like but. they took time out of like stopping domestic terrorists to go investigate they louisville's took, basketball team millions of money in tax dollars just federal they feel they spend federal dollars to investigate like a how sports badly team. do you need your team to be good like like it, at it, what point like i don't i don't know who to blame like is it our fault because like we let sports be this big i, I don't think that's like, I'm, not, I'm not saying that but it's like it's, it's, it's our fault we we tolerate it it's just also you can do all that you can run your team just don't. You can make a ton of money. Just don't let guys who beat their wives be coaches. Okay, that doesn't feel like that much. So don't if you find out your wide receiver coach is beating his wife, find a new wide receiver coach who doesn't do that. It, How hard is that? And like, it, I don't even think that it's, it's weird because the culture, I don't even think they need to protect this guy. I did. This guy was not crucial to them winning because, you know, like I said, they've had a lot of good wide receivers. But guess what? This guy probably wasn't crucial to them winning and their success, but it's just they have to protect their guys no matter what. And, and he's part of the equation, so you got to keep it. Like I said, it's so irrational. You shouldn't, you shouldn't protect Not people. Not to say that if he's integral yeah. to your success, you should protect him. By the way, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't hire people who beat their wives, who are frequent domestic abusers, without a doubt. You shouldn't hire people, protect people who sexually assault children for like decades. These, these don't seem like, like you shouldn't hard. hire people who point shave, who gamble on your team. Who pay eighteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old kids houses, mortgages, cars, 
You see, clothes, see that, that part I don't mind. Watches, jewelry. See that that part I don't mind. You should you shouldn't have to bribe. I mean, yeah, I get it because you need a, like some type of compensation. Blah blah blah. See, that, but that part I don't mind. But no, I get it. But, but to make the you coherent should, argument, you shouldn't do it to the point with a federal crime. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't have to pay your a kids like their mother's mortgage for them to come to your program to have a successful program. Yeah, it's it's sort of it's it's sort of like like yeah yeah you should get something. But like it reaches a point where you have to like sit down and say, okay, is this really how we want to operate? And I really want to hear like, oh, this is just that's how the game's played, blah blah blah. That's how they've been doing it for years. I don't want to hear it because you look at Miami, look at SMU, look at Louisville. Like there's there's a record that's happening and it never works out well. So I don't understand why you would keep on doing this while you keep running your program while you acting like your program well, is untouchable the problem, you see the problem with saying that is for every team you say look what happened to them they got caught probably all these teams are doing shady stuff i know and they're not getting caught <laughs> urban myers has been able to operate as one of the most successful college coaches for over a decade doing this kind of crap and he hasn't been caught up till now but they're not going to get him out right and he might not get in any trouble so really like what there isn't a lesson like, yeah, they can look at these few schools that got caught and got in trouble, and they can all look at them and go, oh, that's terrible. We're all honest here. That's us here at this school or at this school or at this school. We're honest here. Not there, though. And then they do all the same crap. I'm sure yeah. they all do the same crap. How can yeah. you not think that they all do? They all do, but it's... And it's just it's, like, just, it's not even cheating. I don't even like it was, we'll get to the cheating in the game, whatever, but let's just try to like uphold like some kind of human decency when it comes to this kind of thing. Like that's, that's the saddest part. And let's, I, I, and then society, I don't know. We're, we're, we make, we're making strides on keep, on keep, on taking women seriously in these kind of like, like, in defense. Like we're making strides, but we got to keep going. Like, like once again, like we're not there yet. Sport these your, your sports heroes. They're also normal people. We got Matt Lauer. We got Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. We got them out. They keep going. Down we, can, the we can we can get out Urban Myers. Yeah, like we can get him out. Like we 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 lose nothing by getting rid of <sighs> Urban Myers or men like him who willingly cover up. And are complicit in these you're, acts. You're never, you're never going to teach the lesson <laughs> until you show what the consequences are. You're, ne you're never going to. It's just, it's yeah. gonna stay. So, so, so I think, I think me, me and you are equation. They honestly want to make a point. Don't have to gut Ohio State's football. Yeah, they have to gut it. Yeah, and even then, once again, <laughs> I like, I'd still be mad at the NCAA because the NCAA yeah. is letting this kind of thing happen. So they're complicit as well. So. So we're all at fault for this yes, situation. Yes, everybody. Yes. First and foremost, Zach Smith is at fault for the yeah. situation for beating his wife. But the spillover. But then, yes, the fact that he's still employed afterwards is the fault of a long, intricate web of society being terrible. The fact people still have season tickets for Ohio State football yes, next that, year. That people are so rapidly defending this and yeah. trying to pin it on the media. The, the, fact, the fact that people will still spend $4,000, $5,000 to go to their playoff game if they make yes. it to the playoffs. Yes. And then like, just everybody on Facebook being like, oh, Brett McMurphy, oh, you edited a sentence a few days ago. That means that yeah. your report is bad, fake news. Oh, yeah. you're not a journalist. Oh. The, fact, the fact you'll go on subreddit to Why r slash college football and you'll still see Ohio State football fans talking about, isn't this big of a deal? Why didn't you... Talk to the police about it. I don't know. It's just it's just terrible. Right, we got to move on to the zone because yeah. we're over halfway through the show. <laughs> and 
I had so much planned out for today. I thought I wasn't going to be able yeah. to do this. Okay. So. The Patriots had the first preseason game tomorrow. Yeah. Preseason week one for the Patriots. And camp's been going on. And I guess just before we go to break, we'll, we'll cover this a little bit before we circle back to Patriots. But Jordan, is there anything like you're looking for specifically in preseason game? Because obviously, and I, I like preseason football more than most people. Yeah. More than, but that's because I'm a nerd and I know the intricacies of every NFL roster and of all these bottom of the roster guys, all these third string quarterbacks that I like seeing. I acknowledge there's not a lot of value in it, but I enjoy seeing like being like, oh boy, look, Chase Daniel. Oh man, I haven't seen him throw Benny Cunningham. Oh my God. This is a fun time for Jake. And then, you know, I actually have like, you know, rookies and stuff that I've been tracking that I like, but. Still, like, I get more of a pre, but I acknowledge that the early weeks are, are are tough. But I guess, is there anything, you know, just week one you want to see out of the Patriots? Because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the big guys, I mean, Brady's not going to play. Gronk's not going to play. Like, it's not going to yeah. be that. But, I mean, is there anything of any interest? Um, Hopefully those draft picks work out, man. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, Sony Michelle isn't going to be playing. Yeah. Like, I would say Sony Michelle is probably the number one thing I want to see, but he's not going to play all preseason. Yeah. Like, that's, all that's preseason. Prob- yeah, that's probably true. So, I guess. It's just like, and there are things like, I hope Trent, I want to see Trent Brown. Because Trent Brown is seemingly the guy right now at left yeah. tackle, which I'm fine with because he's actually the size of a left tackle. So I'm okay with it, but I mean, like, I want to see because he's been getting rave reviews all practice, and he's big. I, it's you're skeptical because you know it's, if he's such a good young tackle, you think San Francisco wouldn't trade him because teams tend to want to hoard those guys. But whatever, he's looked good. So I, I mean, I want to see that. That's probably like the number one thing because that's probably the most one of the most important things the Patriots need to figure out. The and O-line. that's yeah, well specifically that left tackle spot. Yeah, and then also that's one of the things that you can pretty adequately judge in a preseason game. I feel like. Yeah. Like, if he's out there stonewalling people, like, even if, like, you know, even if they're second string guys on the Redskins, like, if he's stonewalling people, I can at least start to go, like, okay, okay, he's doing it. So you can see, I, I know he has the potential to do yeah, it. He's doing it. I mean, he did it at times in Tampa. Like, I then, you know, then it becomes, I want to see him do it against, like, good people. But at least it's not like, you know, like when a cornerback plays bad or something, you're like, oh, well, they weren't playing the same scheme. Like, literally, it's like, is he able to get up? And push guys away. Yeah. And if he can do it, and I can see it, like, that's at least something. You know, I mean, you know, the wide, I mean, I, you know, I, I want to see Berrios, and I want to see McCarry, and I want to kind of dive into, you know, the, the intricacies of the wide receiver spot a little bit more later in the show. I have some stuff planned for that. I want to talk about that a little bit more later, but. Hopefully, hopefully they just don't look terrible. Yeah, I mean, I like that kind. Of, yeah, like I, once again, like they look, they look subpar, decent, then it's all right. You know, and the Patriots, you know, they kind of looked terrible in the first preseason game last year in defense. Like Cyrus Jones and Jordan Richards were getting burned by the Jaguars, and it, it didn't look great. It, it didn't look great, but you then know, and also de- you know, what? in their defense, we didn't know about that Jaguars yeah. team. But I mean, even then, like the team now, like. We don't have, like, Garoppolo or Brissett to wonder about. Like, yeah. Danny Etling has no future, so I don't care. Like, <laughs> I can pretend and say, I want to see Danny Etling. They're a new draft pick, but there's no future. He just Belichick picked him as a joke. Like, I, I don't. He saw something he saw in preview. <laughs> I don't want, like, I don't, I don't care about that. Like, literally, like, it's harder to be invested in it this year, but also, yeah, like, I. 
there 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 are there are some things. Once again, I like watching preseason football just because I like seeing a lot of weird players. And that's just me. Anyway, though, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. We're gonna take a quick break. Jordan Moment here alongside me. When we come back, we're gonna be doing some doing some hits on the Red Sox. No Job this week, which, you know, sad. We always love having our boy Job on, but no doing we won't be doing your Job. But after just a quick break, we'll be back with some Red Sox stuff. So we'll see you then. I'm in almost every school bus and classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You've seen me around the neighborhood, and you've told me I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every four children in America, and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we could grow up and be whatever we want. I want to grow up and be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everyone. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is Alice Cooper for RADD. There's a lot of things we have no control of in this world, but that's not the case with drunk driving. If you're going to drink, don't drive. Think ahead and choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives on and so should you. Yes, we all public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Joe Perry. And Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, here for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Yeah, you know we love it when the music does the talking. And you know, the music stops when someone gets killed. So never, 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 never let someone you know get behind the wheel if they've been drinking. So keep it real. Keep it real. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Glass Company Smoke Shop and Vapor Lounge is Providence's premier smoke shop and vape supply store. Located at 10 Cedar Swamp Road, Smithfield, Rhode Island. Swing by when they open on November 2nd. Glass Company Smoke Shop, best smoking supplies in all of our eye. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. It's not the size that matters, it's the pleasure it provides. WXIN FM. 
90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley, Jordan Moment, here alongside me. We talked a lot of Urban Myers, a lot of the general fallacies of our society when it comes to dealing with domestic abuse. A little bit of Patriots preseason. But now we're going to be moving to what was the, the, big, the big story of the weekend, really, I think. I think most people think. Everybody thinks. Around here. And that is the Boston Red Sox. And the Red Sox, obviously, I didn't get a chance to come in last week and talk about the deadline, talk about the prelude to this series. It made me sad because, once again, I unexpectedly wasn't able to do the show last week. But the Red Sox, this weekend, Thursday to Sunday, played New York in Fenway. Yeah. And I've been a proponent of this Red I mean, I've been a, an opponent of this Red Sox team for, for a while, for most of the season. I don't think I've been unfair to them, but I've, you know, I've, I wanted to see it. I've said it. The Red Sox, they haven't beaten top play competition this year. They've been 500 against playoff teams. Their playoff record in the last two years terrifies me. And I, you know, New York, and meanwhile, New York have been willing to give a benefit of the doubt a lot of the times this year when they've struggled against bad teams. I've been willing to give them the benefit of the doubt a lot because, well, they did it last year. They made it through the playoffs with a lot of those faults in the Red Sox, a lot of same faults they had last year. Not able to do it. So I've been hesitant. But... After what happened last week, this weekend, with the Red Sox, really, to I think everybody's surprised, even thought they were going to win, do well in the series, they swept the Yankees. And it really, until the last game, which was like five hours long, but, but a good one, the Red Sox really handily beat the, beat the, beat the Yankees. I mean, game one, 15-7. Four to one. Four to one again. They had a complete game from Rick Porcello, which was great because that game lasted like 10 minutes. And it was wonderful. I mean, you had Avaldi going eight innings. Like that, they thoroughly destroyed the Yankees, really in every way. And I guess just it then becomes, you know, how much does that change the way it was not what the story becomes, but for my purposes, you know, what and then makes question, we know how do I see this Yankees team now? This Yankees, this Red Sox team now. And obviously, I mean, I, I can't look at what happened and be fair and objective and just pretend that this doesn't change my opinion of this team at all. Because listen, I've said it and I'll say it again. I've said it to Job and I've said it to other people. I can't fully, fully, fully buy into this Red Sox team the way other people have. I can't fully, fully, fully buy into them as a real legitimate contender. This group until, in the end, I see it in the postseason. I just can't. Just with the history, I can't say fully, oh, I have complete confidence in them. Because in the end, they've done this the last two years. They've won a ton of games. And they've had great teams. And then they've, you know, they've thrown all up, up all over themselves in the postseason. And I still stand by that to a degree. But when you have a week like this, because a part of the criticism was, well, also, they haven't been good against the good teams. So that kind of supports me. But when they have a weekend like this, where they come in and they, well, A, they completely wrestle away any any chance of the Yankees taking the division away from them for one thing which I don't think has the biggest impact because the Yankees did it out of the wild card last year but yeah I mean I feel better about this Red Sox team I have to I I can't not like this team elevated themselves against great competition and they just dominated them and I'm not saying this makes me think they're a World Series contender I'm not saying I'm not getting to what I think this makes them right this second, but yeah, I mean, I have to feel better about this team. 
I can't not. And I still have to see it in the postseason. I still have that taste in my mouth of them winning one game in two years. But yeah, like it, the team at least in at least in just the afterglow of this at least feels different to me. And I mean, I don't know how you. I mean, how do you feel about this, Jordan? Um, I I didn't. I watched the uh, the Sunday game, and that was you had the time. <laughs> no, yeah, because I was at my sister's house and I was just on her couch and I was it was late that's why i was watching it because it was like nine o'clock i was like why did they start playing the game yeah the game fenway at like 8 p.m but regardless and i then was went up, till two in the morning yeah and i was up watching it and i'm like and i was watching it and it was like fine and then it got a little bit dicey in the seventh when they gave up four runs <laughs> but they managed to come back but from what i see like that they looked like a little they, they look like they had a little something going there. Yeah, and people and other people have talked about. <laughs> other people have sat and gone, no, Jake, this team is special. This team has the chemistry. This yeah. team just has that magic energy to it, blah, blah, blah. And I've, you know, I've sat here and being me and been like, no, they don't. Yeah. Postseason. I gotta see it in the postseason. And once again, I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to parody myself too much, but I still have to see it. But yeah, I mean, but. I feel more of that. I'm still not, you know, fully bathing myself in this team. You know, like my little, my little Xander Bogarts loofah and yeah, you know but, my my JD Martinez body wash, but I mean I I, I buy in more than I did. Now yeah. I have to. Now yeah. I don't want to get too bogged down in the logistics of the games. Yeah, at least in terms of how I feel about the team, because in the end, like they went in and they clobbered them. Yeah. So I don't want to sit here and go, oh, but this and this. But and I'm gonna sit here and go. And also, MLB, you need to, you need to stop that. You need no. There's no reason why a game should be starting at 8 p.m. on yes. the on the East Coast. That's absurd. Well, that that's Sunday night baseball. <laughs> that that's that's a thing. That's baseball's <laughs> one like big prime time spot. So I don't mind that. That's fine. That's a Sunday night game. But anyway, so they got they got run the trains overtime <laughs> for the <laughs> trains to run to Boston at 2 a.m. <laughs> like what? But just to sit and like dive into the more the minutia of those games specifically now yeah the one negative to come out of it well not negative maybe just a push but the one thing to not come out of it is you don't come out of these games and really not much fault of the red Sox. you don't come i don't come out of these games feeling any better about the bullpen than i did going in yeah and i didn't get the chance last week to come in and talk about this because obviously I, I am upset that the red Sox didn't have a bullpen arm I like the players they've added. I like Kinsler. Kinsler played a good part in a lot of the games of this series, at least a few of them. I like that addition and yada yada. But still, I feel like the Red Sox, you know, the bullpen could come back and kill them, and they didn't add to it. And I talked about this with Job a lot. But last week, I didn't get a chance to come in and just, you know, give my thumbs down for them not adding a bullpen arm. Now, mind you, really, for the most part, the reason they weren't able, I would, my perception of the bullpen wasn't really able to change that much during this series is... Because really, the bullpen didn't get to play all that much. The first game, Workman didn't do great. And, oh, excuse me, Brian Johnson in the first game only went five. So other guys had to come in. They did okay. But, you know, by the time Workman and Joe Kelly and Brazzer came in, the game was kind of out of hand. So they they pitched well. But I don't really consider that too much. Because you know, they, were, they were up by, like, eight. Like, I'm not going to give them too much credit for protecting, like, an eight-point lead. But nevertheless, they really didn't give up any runs. And then game two and game three, Rick Porcello went nine innings. And then... Avaldi went eight, and then they went to Craig Kimbrell. So the bullpen didn't get, get a chance to come in there. And then the final game, what happened, happened. And I also want to get into David Price's performance just a little bit. But, yeah, so if anything, my biggest concern about this team, which is the bullpen, it did, didn't really get to change my opinion of that that much, which is 
you, you hate you hate that to happen. But still, like you, I'm not gonna bog down and go. Oh, I just don't feel good about the bullpen because what changed is just kind of. I don't. I don't want to say my vi the vibe I get from this team, but like that. That's kind of been the biggest thing for this week. It's just the just my gen. I guess my gut feeling about this team changed a little bit. So I'm not gonna bog I'm, that down with. I'm, it is also worth saying that they are the best team in the AL by like. A lot. I uh, see. I'm not sure about that. I won't get into that in a minute. Oh, well, at least at least record wise. Oh, record wise by standing. far. Yeah. And, but then you see, I talk about the <laughs> bullpen, and then last night you see when they play a stupid team like the Blue, Blue Jays, Jays. Yeah. the bullpen kind of implodes, <laughs> and they barely get out of it. But they're still able to dig themselves out of it. That's. I mean, this 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 team seemingly wins. So I don't. I that still feel like that's gonna kill them in the postseason. But oh well. Like this yeah. this team is. I, ah, God, it's tough. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't want to take that bullpen into, like, you know, no, game five against the Astros. Right. And yeah, this I, is, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. And then, but there is, but the other thing you do gain from this, at least for me, and I feel like a lot of people from this series, is a deeper, wholer, richer appreciation of Alex Cora. Yeah. And coming in from John Farrell, Getting rid of John Farrell, it, it was kind of a case of you felt like, as a Red Sox fan, as a lot of us said, you know, like really whoever they bring in is going to be better. No matter what, they, they can bring in a post. They can bring in like a stick that points to different bullpen arms and tells them when to warm up. <laughs> like a stick with like a light that goes, beep, Joe Kelly, get in the bullpen. Beep, Heath Henry, you also get there. Bring like IBM, Martinez. IBM Watson. Like just exact, just something. Not even that. That's too advanced. <laughs> just something to make the simple decisions, even if it's just random. Just something that wasn't John Farrell and just his attitude and the way that he kind of seemed to kind of bring this whole team down and the culture he created. Just getting rid of Alex. Just getting rid of John Farrell was going to just feel better. Just getting that kind of the stink that he had put on this team out of the building and bringing just somebody else. So I didn't really care too much who they brought in. It felt like Alex Cora was a get just because other teams wanted him, but obviously he's a rookie manager, so I wasn't, like, jumping up and down about Alex Cora. But I was like, ah, he's not John Farrell, and so far, he, and up to this point, he hadn't made many mistakes, at least, which is the most, really the most you want out of a manager. And the team was doing well, and he wasn't getting in the team's way, and you felt... But then you see what happened. It was a game one. He runs out of the bullpen, gets tossed from the game, trying to protect Mookie Betts. When he thought Severino was throwing at his head. And maybe Severino was throwing at his head. You see that. You see the way he was protecting his players. You see the way the players responded to him trying to protect him. And then, you know, it's easier and easier to say, you know, this isn't just a matter of the feral culture is gone. And that's helping the team. It's easier and easier to believe that, you know, Alex Cora is also creating something here by virtue of who he is. Not just by virtue of not being John Farrell. And that is something you should be very excited to hear or something you should be very excited to see as a Red Sox fan, as a fan of a team that could have this guy for at least a couple of years. And maybe it, maybe it eventually implodes. Cause you know, I mean, John Farrell won a world series, his, his first year as manager because he was just better than Bobby Valentine. So maybe these things just happen in this circle. And maybe one day we'll be saying, you know, the next manager is better just because he's not Alex Cora. Maybe, but I mean, I don't feel like you would have seen John Farrell doing some of the things you saw Alex Cora do this weekend. 
Probably not. Exactly. So it just and it, the players respond yeah. to that. It, it'd and, be hard for me to imagine. Exactly. And John Farrell, and even as I said, Alex Cora speaking of him, you know, you have somebody who can relate to some of these players. You have a guy who just can speak Spanish, who can actually talk to Xander Bogarts, who can just flat out can just like communicate with Rafael Devers. Yeah. And not a broken version of language. That alone, valuable. Yeah. That and then on top of that, if you really want, if you're, if you're perception of Alex Cora and your appreciation of him wasn't deepened enough then contrast it with what we saw from Aaron Boone who did not have a good week at all which for one thing the decision making not great the bullpen were and in the end you know that stuff man that stuff comes i mean that stuff eventually becomes automatic you can do that kind of thing by the book and be fine in the end but just going beyond just the strategic moves he made and which ones did and didn't work looking at the way that just the way that team acted the way that team felt this yankees team that last year was one of the most exciting teams in baseball last year this team that came up out of nowhere this team that was one game away from the World Series from the wild card. Compared to what they had last year to what they have now, this team just feels dead. Yeah. And they've been losing against bad teams also. But you see, you go, that's probably a matter of culture, but they cleaned up against good teams. So you thought so I was willing to kind of give them a benefit of the doubt on that, but then they come and they get swept. And it just didn't seem like they were engaged the entire time. No. Really. I thought this weekend that there was going to be some kind of a fight. We were going to see something. And then we kind of saw that early from Cora. But for that to happen, that would need both teams to be hyped up and both teams to be engaged and angry. And. So, yeah, they had they had A-Rod in the booth. He was, he was talking about how they, they needed the passion. No, and, but he's right. <laughs> and that wasn't there. It seemed like when they were down by a lot in these early games. They just didn't seem to care that much. They were just kind of there. And that's the kind of thing that we have jumped on David Price for. We have jumped on guys and all the teams here for. So, yeah, the Red Sox, though, they had that. They were engaged. They were excited. Maybe that's partially because they were winning. But even when they were down, they seemed angry and engaged and ready. And the Yankees just weren't. And I don't blame that on the players that much. Because these players were like that. These players on the Yankees were like that last year. But what's different now is the new manager. And I can't help but say that it's probably a matter of having Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone, who the type of answers he, who last who two weeks ago I talked about, the way he talked about Gary Sanchez after he gave up yeah. and didn't run and didn't try to field, the answers he gave sounded like John Farrell excuse-making. That kind of thing. And that seemingly is kind of the type of culture that... Aaron Boone is creating there, and that's a shame because that is hurting the I mean, at least a shame, just a fan of baseball, because that's hurting the development of Aaron Judge, of obviously hurting the development of Gary Sanchez, who's taken a huge step back and doesn't look even close to as engaged this year. I mean, the defense was never good, but he just like he doesn't even care anymore. And that kind of thing. And that in at the time when they got rid of Girardi. I didn't at the time, and I came on here and talked about it, and I still do cannot fa- I still do not understand why they got rid of Joe Girardi. I, 
the most baffling. You know, thing. they talked about it. You know, <laughs> them wanting to find an analytics guy, but then they brought in Aaron Boone, who was just like, "This is just generic manager guy that you hire in MLB the Show. Like, this they, is just like yeah. a name. Like, this guy is just as generic as they come. They 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 could have found some money guy somewhere in in New York and just could have right. But kicked, they, and kicked them 50 and just had them somewhere in a back room. It seems like they had the guy already there. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't get it. And, so you, like, you, you, and, don't, you don't get rid of one person who's right. done so much to and add something you really don't need. Well, right. It didn't feel like <laughs> it felt like Girardi was the manager they needed. Yeah I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think analytics was the problem with the Yankees team. No, and they haven't year. embraced analytics more. Like they haven't even done like it's felt like, it's like Girard, like not like they could say that they were bringing the guy that felt like could develop young players better. Cause Girardi seemed to get those young players doing pretty good. Yeah. He had Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez. Tyler Austin. Well, he's not here anymore, but Hick. I mean, Hicks is actually having a better year. But still, like these guys, I never understood them doing it. Why they got rid of Girardi. And now it just, it. I feel like, I guess, validated. Yeah. In that take. Because <laughs> it just... It doesn't look good. Like it just—it doesn't look like they have. Like they look, yeah. they look just like they don't have any energy there, under Joe Girardi. I mean, our guy here, viewer comment right here from a uh, Joe Joe in Portsmouth coming out and saying that you know about the Red Sox that this is a team of hope or failure. No in between. It's a hit or miss. Postseasons has some shaking in their pants. And I agree. That's fair because you know this Red Sox team. I mean, they they have this year and next year. Those are really their two chances. But before this team they've built kind of starts to fall apart in terms of guys leaving or guys wanting contracts. Like this roster is not going to be as good in a couple of years, and they don't really have anything in the farm system to come up and fill these gaps. So they they got to do it now. Well, they also don't have a have a Triple A team with a proper home yet. No, they don't. You're right. <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah, take that for talk it, but. Yeah, so they, this was obviously, in a lot of ways, this is a great weekend if you're a Red Sox fan, for learning about your team. You didn't learn anything about the bullpen. Maybe we'll learn more about the bullpen against Toronto, but like I said, I mean, in the face of other big picture culture things, it's really been the kind of the, kind of the theme of the show has been all about the culture. The stadium experience is all about the culture today. Yeah. In, it, all, in all fairness to the Yankees, I mean, they're still probably going to win 98, 99, 100 games this season. Right. I mean, they'll be in the playoffs. It's just, I don't know. You know, maybe this isn't the same team that won, that may, that was a game away from the World Series last year. Yeah, it's certainly not looking like it. It doesn't feel like that team. And you thought that team got better with John Carlos Stanton, but, you know, kind of feels like they've just kind of lost that. I don't want to say heart because I'm not a hack, but yeah, that's some of that heart. So anyway, we're going to take You lost your heart, kid. <laughs> we're gonna take another quick break here when we come back we'll be uh, i'll decide over the break what we got back into but it'll be something sports related either celtics maybe patriots and we'll be right back in just a minute with more of the stadium experience with jake elmsley jordan moment here with me and we'll see you in a flash if this radio spot were nikki baker's life it would start pretty normal like this but, but then, then right, right around here her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her and about this far in nikki would drop out of high school and run away here, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself and her daughter. She'd feel stuck, stuck, stuck. But stuck. then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes, study every night, and feel 
unstuck. Because she finally hears someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. The Speedy Flip Show, the number one program on the number one station in the number one city is... Sure, being a disc jockey sounds like a fun, glamorous job, but it's tough thinking of creative things to say, give out the time and the temperature. Here is the present temperature for our town and vicinity. For our town, 119 degrees. For vicinity, 27. Oh, you think it's so easy? Well, you try it. WXIN is looking for a few good DJs. Stop by our meeting Wednesdays at 1 p.m. in Horace Mann, 186. It's all yours, fella, and don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenager. Be heard all over the world. Join WXIN. Any questions, you can give us a call during normal business hours at 456-8288 or check out our website at rickradio.org. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of gangster rap so call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite big tony's often imitated never duplicated you will never find Wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. Habata itala, modola na ito ita, mezzashita nova. Aoi, 90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience, Jake Elmsley. Short a moment. Here alongside me, we've been talking Urban Myers, we've been talking Patriots, we've been talking Red Sox. We're gonna kind of go back to the Patriots stuff here. Well, they had some Celtics thoughts, but we're kind of coming up against it right now. And the Celtics stuff maybe we can get to next week. Maybe I'll copy and paste that part of the run now because there's stuff we can get to at any time. It's not the most pressing stuff here. But if you want to weigh in on any of these topics, last chance to call in 401 456 9946 or 401 456 8787 or Go on Facebook, go to the official Mike Kane Memorial live stream. Pop on there. Listen to it a little bit. Watch my face. Anyway, though, with all that out of the way, we are going to dive right back in. And uh, Also, Sony needs to tell Ben Simmons he needs to go shoot around. Ben Simmons needs to be living in that gym. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, something I wanted to get to, and something that happened two, three days ago now. Patriot stuff is that Malcolm Mitchell, Super Bowl 51 hero, Malcolm Mitchell, was released by the Patriots. And obviously he didn't play at all last year. He was hurt all of last season. And just, he basically, he got cleared to practice and then it went, okay, bye, see you. And at first glance, unless he was so hurt that they're like, this guy's never going to be able to play again. Which, I mean, nobody claimed him off waiver, so maybe he's that hurt. Maybe not, though. I don't like this move. 
I don't get why it's happening now. And maybe, maybe, because there were rumors they wanted to trade him. So maybe they just, maybe they did just need to wait for him to get medically cleared to release and they wanted to immediately, but just, maybe it's because I'm attached to the player. I think, I think, I think most Patriots fans should be attached to this player, by the way. Because he, not single-handedly, but he's one of the biggest reasons that the Patriots won their last Super Bowl. Malcolm Butler could have been a reason for why the Patriots won their last Super Bowl. He didn't play in their last Super Bowl. Yep. Went, but you still don't Super have an answer for that. But their last Super Bowl win, Malcolm Mitchell was a huge part of that game. In the fourth quarter, had, what, like seven catches? Like, crazy. Went off. And, they didn't, and he was a guy who worked himself back from injury, got hurt in the preseason. I was at his first preseason game. I forgot about how badly he effed up his elbow. Had, like, a gronk brace on it for a long time. But he's a guy who was talked about all the time. He's a really hard worker, a guy who, you know, and as much as I don't, as much as I think this is kind of fluff, and I don't try to assign this to a lot of guys, you know, if there are guys, there are a few guys who I go, okay, I buy, I'll buy into the Patriots way crap a little bit. Like th- this was a guy who 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 did it though. This was a guy who you know embodied that whole that idea of the Patriots way, and he earned Brady's trust, which is astoundingly hard for a player and any wide receiver to, let alone a rookie, and it just. They couldn't wait a little bit longer because this guy was cleared to potentially be able to practice. And once again, maybe I'm just wrong. Maybe it's just impossible. Maybe he'll never play again. But it just feels like even if there's a chance you can get this guy going, when you can have a 90-man roster right now, it just, why? Yeah. Why get rid of this guy right now? Because, by the way, if you're looking for 2016 draft picks who didn't play last year to get rid of, Cyrus Jones is right there. Cyrus Jones got hurt, too. Like, you're going to keep him, though. Like, it just, I, I don't know. I just, it, like, whatever special teamer they add to take that roster spot, it just, I, especially with the state of this wide receiver group. And listen, I I was I was skeptical if he'd ever play again, but it just feels like now at least try. At least get him going for a week or two. I just, I, I don't get it. So it, either that or maybe it's just way worse than any of us thought, but I hate to see it go. So, I mean, what, how do you feel about that, Jordan? Um, Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, you should, if, I mean, if you have, like, that was that was spoon yeah the room for it i mean yeah, there was really did. no reason you have room for anybody <laughs> right now you have room for anybody you have room I, to have like three punters on your roster like you and at least at least like if he's just cleared a practice you, you gotta at least give him like a month exactly i just i don't i, I don't think he was ready to play a game but at least see look if the, if he gets hurt again and the knee is just impossible and yeah. and he really just can't stay healthy which it probably is the case with this guy but just even that chance what this guy has the potential to add to your team what i just i don't know i think he was definitely worth giving the reps through preseason i agree so just especially with this team's wide receiver group right now which is kind of the rest of the subject of this is the team a few days ago around the same time as this happened they added eric decker to the team who's a guy that you know kind of in the wake of also jordan matthews getting hurt and getting released which that sucks as well because jordan matthews was a guy i kind of had some hopes for this is the earlier part of the year. I mean, he's been a very good player. He's been a good slot receiver. So I thought maybe he could be a guy to give them to, but they didn't. So they brought in Eric Decker. And a lot of, you know, obviously since the Patriots added a guy who was successful like three years ago, everybody immediately like pulled their pants down and started freaking out about it. As people do, like, oh, we got Decker. Oh, he's the perfect guy. And, you know, because I'm me, I, I want to ease the brakes on that a little bit. The shock of everybody. And, I'm very skeptical about Decker on a team for, I think, very legitimate, obvious reasons. A, the Patriots didn't want him. For one thing, 
They brought Eric Decker in about a week ago and worked him out. And then you know what they did? They didn't sign him because they didn't want him with the wide receivers they have now with that fun group. But then when Jordan Matthews went down, they then went, okay, Eric, come on. Come on, fine. We'll bring you in. It's not that the Patriots didn't want him. It's that nobody wanted him. It's just like you, you, people make this mistake every year. You can't get super excited about a guy that you're signing at this point. Because if you're signing him now, that means nobody wanted him. That being said, I wonder why they're not signing Des Bryant, but whatever. <laughs> but whatever. Eric Decker. So with that being said, with what they've done, I, I kind of don't think there's a great chance Eric Decker even makes a team. Like I like I legitimately like think there's a pretty reasonable avenue to where Eric Decker doesn't isn't on the roster at the beginning of the year. And if he does, certainly almost I'm sure he won't be when Edelman comes back. And I'll just lay this out real quick because I want to. I mean, I mean, you look at this wide receiver group. I mean, locks to make the team. Hogan, you know, assuming that they carry five wide receivers and a sixth counting Matt Slater, but that doesn't count. Five wide receivers. They're obviously Hogan. Then Dorsett is a definite, then Cordell Patterson, if anything for the special teams value, then I I feel like Kenny Britt's going to make the team. If anything, because they sign and they invest in him, and he's a talented guy, and he's an outside guy. And then you have that, that last slot guy spot, which if Braxton Berrios or Riley McCarron, who have been getting decent reviews in camp, they really liked Riley McCarron in... Texas. I mean, not enough to not keep him on their practice squad, but still, they liked him. Those are both slot guys. I just, I feel like if one of those two guys pops in the preseason and looks good and looks like maybe they can handle a little bit of a slot role, I just feel like it's not going to take a lot for the Patriots to go, okay, We and, and then if one of those guys pops and they don't feel like they can sneak him onto their practice squad because then other teams might actually want the guy, if they feel like that happens, then I just... I feel like it's not going to take a lot for the Belichick and the Patriots to just go, okay, we'd rather keep this guy who's eight years younger and has potential instead of Eric Decker, who, by the way, once again, when we brought him in, we didn't want him originally. Even though he could have came in and replaced Barrios or Riley McCarron when Jordan Matthews was still here. But no, they, they elected, to, they would rather have had those guys than Eric Decker when they had Matthews. So it just... Feels like they, they think at least something of those guys. And yeah, and I'm going to be annoyed because one of those guys is probably going to go off in the preseason. I mean, probably at least have like one game. And then I'll be super annoyed. Everybody will be like, oh, look at this short white receiver. Oh, Belichick did it again. <laughs> Belichick found another one. Oh, he's always finding these guys all the time. Oh, Belichick just rolls out of bed and finds short white receivers who are great. He's just always doing it. Oh, he's impossibly good at it. Like they did with Austin Carr, who then didn't make the team. And that was on the Saints and had like two catches, by the way. But like I and I'm gonna be annoyed at it then when it happens. But yeah, like if it does happen and one of those guys looks decent, like I'm not saying like if either of those guys look good, they're gonna be good to go this year, because they're probably not, because it take took Troy Brown a few years to grow into that role, took Welker a few years to grow into that role, took Edelman a few years to become the Patriot slot guy. Like it takes a little while. A rookie, very rare a rookie does it, which is, you know, why Malcolm Mitchell being not, he wasn't a slot guy, but being a good rookie receiver on the Patriots, very impressive and speaks very highly of the kid, but whatever, cut him. Bring in Eric Decker, but Dwayne Allen is still on the team, so it's fine. But I just like if one of those guys pops, like I, I, I would rather the Patriots keep the younger guy 
than you know Eric Decker. And then yeah, so I feel like like that like it's those three guys kind of going for that second slot guy role as the fifth you know as the fifth receiver. And then even then, even if he does make the team, I mean Edelman comes back and they probably get, unless Decker has been going off, they probably get rid of Decker anyway. So yeah, like they've been trying Dorsett out of the slot a little bit, Hogan a little bit. I just I don't know. I just I don't think there's a great chance Decker makes the team. So. You know, pump the brakes just just a little bit there. I j and yeah, I mean this. I mean it's sad. Like this, I think this the fact that we're having this entire conversation really speaks to the 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 lack of quality of this Patriots receiver group. That I'm sitting here and like I was fighting with Josh Burst a few days ago. Where I'm like, no, I'd rather have Kenny Britt than Eric Decker. He's like, no, I'd rather have Eric Decker than Cordell Patterson. Like it's sad. It's and I'm like I'd rather they keep Riley McCarron. He might be good, maybe. Like it speaks to how sad this Patriots <laughs> receiver group is, and I'm like, oh well, the big lock is Chris Hogan and Philip Dorsett. Those guys, you can't get rid. Those guys eh, making the team no matter what happens. Can't get rid of these 86 overall receivers. Oh, that's generous. That's <laughs> that the Patriots would kill for an 86 overall receiver. Are I, you think, I think me? Chris Hogan was like that's he, was, he was like 80. He had 400 yards last year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like we're always talking about Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan does not put up numbers, but Chris Hogan is not mentioned amongst. It's fine though. You'll have Julian Edelman coming back off an ACL, not taking steroids anymore at 32. There won't be a drop off there. Not at all. It's not going to be a drop off there at all. All. So you know, Edelman, who said he's not in football shape, T tell him to go work out with LeBron. Ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't he love that? <laughs> But, yeah, so that's... Also, shout out to my boy LeBron. Yeah, shout out to LeBron. Why not? Opening a school. Good stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I, like, I, I don't know how anybody anywhere can feel good about this Patriots receiver group. And, really, I've talked about this a lot. And I kind of want to transition a little bit here. And this is going to be the last segment of the show. And I guess it's still part of the last... We've moved around some segments. But... I've talked a lot about how the Patriots roster, it's atrophied a little bit. A lot. <laughs> I about to say a little it bit. It feels like, you know. It fell off a cliff. Three, four, or five years ago, it felt like they had a lot of young talent. Oh, my God. A lot of guys who were going to be building blocks in the future, you know, especially on defense. I mean, you know, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, Malcolm Butler, Dante Hightower. Like, after, and, that, like, after that Seahawks game, I was like, yeah. yeah. I was, I was like, like yeah. they're set. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> I was set. like, they're good. They're set. And then, you know, almost all those guys are gone. And... Which happens. I mean, guys are gone, but it feels like those guys haven't really been adequately replaced. And the roster's gotten older. It's gotten gone downhill in a lot of spots. And I started thinking about this the other day. And I started looking at the... Because, you know, Belichick is the best drafter ever. Right? Quote, unquote. Right. So I started looking at Belichick's draft history. Just the last... When talk about Mitchell. And just started looking at his history the last couple of years. And I started looking at the top... I basically was like, okay, like who are like the top five players Bills drafted since then? I just settled on 2015 as the year. And it's not just me settling on a random year because I'm like, okay, well, 2015, like that's like the last class of guys who could still be on their four-year rookie contract. I guess that's a decent way to look at it. And I was like, okay, who are the top five players Belichick's drafted since then? Like 2015 drafted now. And not a great list. Because I looked at it, and it's Trey Flowers is probably the best player. 
Mm. And then after him, I mean, Trey Flowers is a good player, but then after that, then it's like Shaq Mason, I guess Joe Thune, like the like the two guards, and then there's like nothing. Like like literally, like it's like then after that you have like like nothing. Like then the list becomes like oh like how much do you think of like Vincent Valentine? Like Malcolm Mitch, like Malcolm Brown is definitely in the top five of those players. Which is not good. Like this very average D tackle, run stopping D tackle is probably is a top five draft pick of the last four years for the Patriots. Which that's not good. Like that's not good. And you know you might sit in here and say, oh, well, they didn't have a first round pick two of those years. Because obviously I can't consider picks they just made because they haven't played yet. And then it's like okay. Well, like, Belichick's supposed to be this genius drafter. Yeah, he's, supposed he's, he's supposed to live in the second, third, and fourth round. It's a, well, no, he doesn't live in those because he trades out of them now. Now he lives oh, in, like... Yeah, now now he's going to sixth. Yeah, exactly, and he it, and he didn't. Like, he, he, he had... Like, it just, they haven't... Draft, they haven't had an influx of good young talent the last few years. And when you ask, like, why, why has the roster atrophied so much, like... That's why... Like if they had hit on like if they like if they had hit on Cyrus Jones and Cyrus Jones was like looking like you know the number two corner some of us are was gonna be roster feels a lot better like I don't have to sit here like you don't have to like break it down and explain that like if you hit on these picks and you had more young players the team would be better but yeah like you hit on Cyrus Jones and he's a number two corner boom feel a lot better about that spot you know Malcolm Mitchell isn't a guy who gets injured all the time and he's on the team feel better about the wide receivers just like. Some of these linebackers pan out. Any of them. Alandon Roberts isn't terrible. Like, it's just... Like, Alandon Roberts might be a top five player they've drafted in the last five, four years. If anything, just because they've gotten something out of him. Like, may, like, maybe you consider Malcolm Mitchell just because, like, he did help them win a Super Bowl. Like, Jacoby Brissett? They traded him for Dorsett. That's not great. Like, it's just... When you really look at it, it's not great. Like, it's really... Like, they haven't... And even then, if you want to go back to 2014, want to go back to one year, I'm not gonna. I mean, Dominic Easley, no. I'm not gonna count. I'm not gonna count Garoppolo as a great pick for them, because he might be a great quarterback, but it's not gonna help them. <laughs> not gonna help them. I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, like, un and then you, somebody might go, "Oh, well, Malcolm Butler." But I'm not I'm not counting an undrafted player. And even if you want to, you can. But I mean, just for the sake of it, I'm not going to because you can just bring in a thousand of those and hope that one pans out. But even if you want to count Malcolm Butler, which is which I originally did, and my sensei talked me out of it. But if you want to, you can. That's still one. That's still one legitimate Pro Bowl player you brought in now in five years through the draft not drafted but brought in in the general vicinity of the draft and once again i i want i i did the last four drafts because that's guys on a rookie contract but still like because you want to sit here and wonder what happened to the patriots roster why does it feel older why does it feel like they don't have these young guys anymore like you did after the seahawks super bowl where that i still contend that was the best patriot super bowl team i think that team that team was a wagon that team was so good. Yeah, looking back at it, that team was absurd. That team was... I still think that was their best Super Bowl team. All right, but, but, but let me offer you this, right? Yeah. Maybe Bill Belichick, he's so good 
at drafting that he's drafting bad on purpose Definitely. to see if he's able to make a good team still. Yeah, that's it's, it's basically basically it's a test of his own oh, maybe skill. Belichick's ability to coach up these young players is deteriorating. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but you know, build the GM. <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's just testing. Yeah, he's the drafting testing himself. Gone, like, the, like I don't see how you can't look at it and not agree that the drafting for the Patriots has gone downhill. Yeah, after after a million rings, he decided that he needs a challenge again. <laughs> So, so he's going. To, he's going to make a Super Bowl team out of all six round draft picks. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that's it. It just <laughs> the drafting's gone downhill. Really, you at home, try to do it. Try to find like the best five players they've drafted in the last four years. It's not fun, and maybe they hit on these picks. You know, they did have a lot of high picks, so maybe Win, who's not starting right now, Sony Michelle, who not starting, isn't playing right now, can't play the beginning of the season. Maybe Duke Dawson, who actually has been playing a little bit. You know, maybe these guys pan out and they're looking a little bit better. But right now, they do not have that young nucleus we all felt they had a few years ago, and that's not great. Anyway, you were listening to the Stadium Experience, or you have been listening to the Stadium Experience, with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. Thank you to Jordan for joining me. Thank you, for everybody, for listening today. We'll be back next week, as we are every week, from 4 to 6 p.m. next Wednesday. We'll talk everything that's going on, whatever's going on. I love being here. Have a lovely week. Great tomorrow. Great today. I will see you all next week.
Christian filet me down nap nap. I'm a I'm a get in and on nap nap. If she if she let me in, I'ma on 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 the way back and bust it open like you supposed to. Girl, I got that dope. Knock knock, come here, let me dope you. You gon' be a dopey. Your friends should call you dopey. Tell them keep my name out their mouth, but they don't know me. Huh? But you can't come and tell shit. I f the whole group, baby. I'm a group. My sex game is stupid, my hate is the dumbest I promise I should be hooked on phonics yeah. But anyway, I think you're bionic And I don't think you're beautiful, I think you're beyond it And I just wanna get behind it And watch you back it up and dump it, back, back it up Cause we like it. her, and we like her too Took a half an hour just to get that belt of fasten. All they wanna talk about is partying and fashion. Every single night I have a dream that I am smashing them all. Your money, man. Is